Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. There's a progressive battle happening over on the east side of Providence. Five Democrats are competing to be the new senator for Rhode Island's second most Democratic district. The primary is less than a week away, and many residents are still trying to figure out who to support. What's the difference between the candidates? Who's likely to win? And why should the rest of the state care? Our own Globe columnist Dan McGowan is here to help us sort it all out. My conversation with Dan after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Dan McGowan. Uh, I don't know if I gave you the heads up, but we're going to debate speed bumps in Providence. Well, you know how I feel about speed bumps, so I'm happy that we could do this. We do this all the time anyway, and so it's good to do it over the, the microphone. No, actually, we're going to talk about State Senate District 3 and the primary coming up in that race. For people who aren't following this race, just lay out the basic information for us. Why is the seat open? Who is running to fill it? And when is the Democratic primary? Yeah, sure. So I think that uh, the Democratic primary first was October 5th, right? And as uh, we've covered a lot, it's important to remember that while there is a general election on November 2nd, um, almost overwhelmingly we know that the uh, the winner of Tuesday's primary will be uh, the next senator in that district. Yeah, what's the percentage of Republicans in that district? I think it's like 5%. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be very difficult for a Republican to win. Uh, the seat was vacated by Gail Golden, who had been in the Senate since, I believe she was elected in 2012. And she joined the Biden administration. She's in the, um, the Labor Department. Uh, and so she had to step down um, as a senator. And so we have five Democrats running very quickly. Sam Zurier, former Providence Councilman. Uh, Ray Rickman, a former state representative. Brett Jacob, who works for the mayor of Providence right now, Gina Pham, who's the she's a teacher and she's the progressive political co-op uh, candidate, um, and then Hillary Levy Friedman, who was running for office no matter what, um, and she's uh, you know has now raised a lot of money for this race. And the winner will face who on November second? The Republican is Alex Cannon, who's little known, but you know it has has advanced already because he has no primary. 
Okay, so for folks who don't live on the east side, why does this election matter or does it? Oh, I think it matters a big uh, in a big way. One, it's an open Senate seat. And so in a relatively affluent area of Providence, you know, you have right now nobody representing uh, them in the Senate. Um, so I think it's significant in that way, more so for the neighborhood. But more importantly, look, the east side of Providence, I think, has outsized influence in the state. It's wealthy. It's where a lot of votes happen. Usually that area you know, decides the mayor of Providence, plays a big role in the role in the race for governor, all these things. And so it, it matters kind of beyond the district for that reason. I sent questionnaires to the uh, Democratic candidates and they agree on a lot of issues. What would you say are the main differences between these five? you're uh, not likely to find very many differences on, between, issues. Bet- on these issues. I mean, I think it's, look, they're all going to be some version of a progressive, right? They're all sending mailers and things like that, you know, touting their progressive credentials. That's a reflection of the district, right? Very liberal. I think it's more about their personal backstories that are different, right? If you're Ray Rickman, you were in the legislature many years ago, you're a black guy, comes from a, a different time and a different era. I guess Sam Zurier is a relatively, uh, you know, is an older person who's had experience on the council. The the other candidates, Brett Jacob, Hillary Levy-Friedman, Gina Pham, you know, they're, they're younger, they're um, trying to, you know, establish themselves as progressive, but reasonable. I think you're seeing a, a lot of that. But they're, you know, they're going to tell their own personal stories more so than I think, um, you know, have major policy differences. Yeah. So does it come down to personality and, and background? All local races do, right? I mean, I think that that's the, the key to winning any of these things. You're not going to win a race you know, simply because you're, uh, you know, that different on, a, on an issue, right? They're all liberal. They're all progressive. It's more about, you know, who do you know, how, much, how organized you are, how much you're raising, things like that. Yeah. Speaking of who you know, the candidates are, are racking up endorsements. Even Patrick Kennedy has weighed in on this race. How much do endorsements matter in this race? You know, I, I think to some degree, it always helps to have validators, right? And in a local race, especially in a district that is well-informed, you know, is going to pay a lot of attention, it matters to be able to have, you know, let's say a Murth York endorsing, I think, I believe, Brett Jacob. You know, Murth York ran for governor a couple of times, is a very serious person in, in democratic politics in Rhode Island. And so I think endorsements like that do matter to some degree. I would say less so when it comes to... Um, you know, the, the major union endorsements, I think AFL-CIO and the Providence Firefighters are both with uh, Hillary Levy-Friedman. And, you know, it, are there a lot of firefighters on the east side? Probably not. Um, but, you know, it gives you something to talk about. It shows that you're labor friendly. That matters. Um, and so I think it's more about, you know, being able to uh, go door to door and organize and that stuff. And, and certainly endorsements help. Yeah. Which endorsements come with the troops to go out there and knock doors and, and do the phone banks? Well, th- there, there are two that I think are, are kind of under the radar, but really important. And they're actually the two most kind of progressive candidates in the race. One, Gina Pham is the, is the political cooperative candidate. That organization has proven last year uh, that they're very effective at winning, particularly in Senate districts. They, they know how to do this. They are an army of volunteers. They are going to 
uh, be able to knock doors. Those bodies are what matters, right? Because then you can reach the most people possible. So I think that's number one. Number two is the Working Families Party, who's endorsed Brett Jacob. Um, and again, progressive, lots of bodies. Th that ability to knock doors in such a small, condensed time frame, that's the most important thing. Yeah, with the, the co-op has been in the news over the past week, and they have a slate of up to 50 candidates they say they're going to back next year. Would a win or a loss for the Rhode Island political cooperative in this race be symbolic? Is this important for them? Oh, I think it's a huge opportunity for them. They're not going to go away if they lose, right? But uh, there's no doubt that, that this is a chance to focus solely on one race, right? It's not about the 50 candidates or whatever. It's, it's one race and District 3. And so a win, they're going to be able to tout that, take it, at, call it momentum. If they lose, they're going to say, hey, we put up a good fight. You know, we got a million more candidates to, to, to try again. So I think it's a big deal for them. With the co-op backing Gina Pham and with Working Families backing Brett Jacob, could that split the vote? Um, on the progressive side or the more progressive side and catapult another candidate to victory? I think it's a possibility. You, you could see some sort of situation where, you know, two very like-minded groups, you know, cancel each other out in some ways. Mm -hmm. Similarly, though, you know, Ray Rickman and Sam Zurier, kind of the elder statesmen in the race, they could cancel each other out in a, a little bit of ways. You know, we know how uh, meaningful the... You know, the Jewish vote is in, in District 3. Sam Zurier and Hillary Levy-Friedman are both Jewish. So there's lots of ways this could play out. But yes, I think it's a factor if the two pro most progressive groups, the Working Families and the Political Co-op, you know, had got behind the same candidate, uh, I think they'd be the favorite today. And, and you mentioned support among the black community and the Jewish community. Wouldn't Gina Pham also be the uh, trailblazer if she won? Yeah, as the first Asian uh, candidate in Rhode Island. I think she says it's, she would be the first uh, elected Asian American in, in, in the state. So, yes, I think she could be a trailblazer. Also, remember for her, I think you're likely to see a lot of Brown University students, you know, get involved in this race and vote potentially for the first time if they're, you know, a freshman on campus right now. There's no doubt that, that having the support of the Sunrise Movement and, and the progressives is probably going to help her. You, you hosted a debate the other night hosted by the neighborhood associations on the east side. What was the most memorable moment from that debate? God, the, I think the one that everybody seemed to be talking about, at least to me afterwards, was when I asked what their favorite coffee shop was. Uh, Mr. Zurier. Seven stars. Mr. Jacob. Small format. It is queer owned and operated and open during the pandemic. Ms. Levy Friedman. I don't drink coffee, but I spend lots of time at Lardizan. Ms. Pham. Madrid and Wayland Square. The most memorable thing I think that was said was actually from Ray Rickman. Mr. Rickman, best coffee shop on the east side. A gas station on Wickenden and Benefit Street, $1. And they have seven choices. And that was very funny. He got a lot of laughs. And somebody actually emailed me afterwards. They said, you know, Ray Rickman was, was charming in this, in this debate. And he landed a, a punch there in some ways. But did we learn anything of substance on the issues from uh, the debate, aside from the coffee? You know, one thing that is clear, and this is a credit to, in some ways, I think, Gina Pham, the, the, the political co-op candidate, she's kind of presented herself as, you know, the Green New Deal candidate. And I think she's forced everybody else to kind of take a position and be strong on the climate. Now, a lot of people who are live in that district or, you know, who are... 
you know, more progressive or affluent listening to this are going to say, well, of course, the climate's such an important issue. But it's not one. I mean, look, I live in across the city. We're not having big discussions in our Senate races about about the climate, right? It, it's it's more about kind of who you know and that sort of stuff. And so I think that they all that has been kind of a an issue where they've all had to show themselves a bit. And and, and uh, Gina Pham certainly is the leader on that issue. If you were a betting man, and God knows you are, Dan, um, who would you bet is going to win the primary on Tuesday? Or is it too hard to handicap? I think it's really hard to handicap. They all have very, uh, very different strengths. You know, if, if it were me, as somebody who, who, you know, trying to kind of forecast this in some ways, I do think that name recognition helps. I would say Sam Zurier has some level of, uh, you know, uh, of an upper hand when it comes to that. But I think they're all going to do well. Uh, my big question is, what's the win number, right? I think they're all going to get, you know, two or 300 votes that they can all lock up. And then what more do you get? Is 500 the number? 500 is not a big number, right? It's, it's a tiny, I mean, that's less than it takes to win a Providence City Council seat. And so that's the big question. What's the win number? I, I would say right around 500 votes probably. Thanks for coming in today, Dan. You're wrong about speed bumps, but it was a great conversation. Thanks for having me, Ed. Good to see you. This battle of the liberals is actually happening all over the state. Learn more about it in my Globe article on the progressive civil war. Here are a few other stories to check out this week from Globe Rhode Island. Dan McGowan's latest column is about another upcoming election, the race for Providence mayor. He says Nerva LaFortune is a candidate to watch. My colleague Alexa Gigas has a story on a 15-year-old inventor in Newport who created something called Hot Bands. The product helps people with Raynaud's syndrome, a condition that makes their hands numb. Find these stories and more at globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. Got a tip? Have someone you think we should talk to? We'd love to hear your ideas. Send us an email at rinews at globe.com. And if you like the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.